Hey everyone, welcome back to Living Beyond Sunday, the podcast where we talk about the everyday Christian life. My name is Jonathan Sams and I'm back here with Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike, we have a listener question and I want to read it real quick, um, but it is on Philippians 4, 8 through 9, and I want to read the listener question, but also use this opportunity as a time for us to talk about how we go about answering the question, um, because the question has to do with how we interpret different verses of the Bible. And so the, the question is on Philippians 4, 8 through 9, and I'll read that verse in just a second, but the question is, what is Paul talking about in this verse? Um, and so that verse is, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in, the practice, in practicing these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So the question is, what are the things he's talking about? He references a bunch of characteristics of the things, but what are the things he's talking about? Yeah, that's really good. I love uh, talking through things like this, and it's uh, an incredible passage for sure. And I think the beauty of looking at Scripture is we, we've got to understand additional context. And so when we're looking at this, it's easy to feel like these are abstract things that he's just kind of throwing out there. But really, they're the culmination of what he's been talking about from the beginning of Philippians. And uh, I'll direct kind of to the central sort of part of Philippians, and it's actually a Christ hymn. There's four of them in the New Testament. This is one of them, and it's in Philippians chapter 2. And uh, it's talking about um, who Christ is, and it kind of goes through the attributes of Jesus, um, showing how he's fully God, but then showing how he comes as the form of a servant. He puts on, uh, or he comes, he comes to us as we are, and um, and so it's just a beautiful picture of, of who Jesus is. And so I, I hold that up because um, with that being the the center of Philippians, um, it is also the scope that we look through in order to. Uh, interpret this passage. And so when we know, when we want to know like what is honorable, we look at Christ and we want to know what is, you know, these different categories as we walk through them, what those things look like, we look to Christ. And this is where I think it's really helpful to understand. We talk about this a lot, but like gospel glasses, it is the lens in which you view life in light of who Christ is. And so when you look at these things, you're like, man, what does that mean? It's like, okay, well, how did Christ model these things for us? And how did, these, how did he show these things uh, to us? And so he is the, the means to be able to live these things out, um, but he also uh, shows us the method of how to live these things out as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you think the simple answer is each of the descriptors Paul is intending to use here is simply to reference Christ, or do you think it's a both and, that he's referencing Jesus, but also referencing things that could be described as those those other descriptors? I think it could be both and, if I'm understanding your question correctly, as yeah. far as, um, you know, these are descriptors of who Christ is, but they're also characteristics that play out because Christ is in us. Right. And so I think when he talks about, you know, whatever is honorable, what does honorable look like? Well, Christ is the model, model of honorable. And in Philippians 2, he lowered himself to the point of a servant. And so it's honorable to have on the characteristics of being a, a servant. He says, whatever is pure. Well, what is the mark of purity? Christ is. He was perfect in our place. And so when we look at like, man, what does purity look like? That we look at we look at Jesus and say, how did he walk that line? And how do we look to him to help shape our purity in this life? And he said, what is commendable? Well, how do we know what things are commendable? Well, we look at the perfect Savior of the world who came and lived in our place and say, well, what things were commended in him? The, the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So that means that, man, we want to look at his life because it's a pleasing life, and, and we want to emulate that as much as we can. And again, the only way we can do that is by looking at 
his finished work. And so it's the gospel to us and the gospel through us. And then he talks about, you know, anything that, um, is there any moral excellence, if anything, praiseworthy, dwell on these things. So it's like, man, we want to be about uh, moral excellence. And, you know, we want to see and notice praiseworthy things. What are praiseworthy things? They're things surrounding the centrality of of Jesus. And so we want to dwell on things that are aimed at who he is and exalting who he is. Yeah. And we'll get into the, I want to get into some of the practicalities of what that might look like in the life of um, the listener that asked this question or any of our listeners. But before we do, going down to verse nine, right? So in this passage, Philippians four, verse eight and nine, verse eight is where he lists out all those things, you know, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, so on and so forth. Verse nine, he says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. What is Paul talking about there? Yeah, well, I think this is really cool because you've got to understand the whole book because one of the things that Paul's after when he's writing the church in Philippi is he talks about in in chapter 2 being of the same mind, being of the same purpose, and then he goes into the Christ hymn talking about who Jesus is. And so when he's talking about this idea of do what you've learned and received and heard from me, he's after this like-mindedness around the centrality of Jesus, that Jesus is the thing that is emitted through you. And so he's he's taught about who Jesus is, he's talked about the implications of what that looks like, and he's saying, now do what you've heard and what you've received from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. And I love this language of the God of peace that will be with you. Um, the God of peace is such a powerful language because the way that God is the God of peace is he took where there was enmity and there was hostility and he brought peace by the blood of the lamb is what um, Ephesians chapter two would say to us. And so when you see this God of peace, um, it's beautiful because it points us to a person. And a lot of times we think peace is a feeling, um, but it's really a person. Um, it, it, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And what he does is he comes and he mitigates where there was hostility. So there's hostility between us and God uh, because of sin and the catastrophe that's there. Ephesians 2, we're children of wrath. Um, but but God demonstrates his love for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And so Jesus comes and he dies. And where there, where there was hostility between us and God, there is now peace. So the God of peace, the way he brings peace, is through the person of of Jesus, and so it's a, a beautiful word picture that you get there from what uh, what Paul's saying. Yeah, that's good. What about in verse nine here? Paul says, "Like do whatever is that he has taught and heard and taught them from the beginning." What if someone's like, "Hey, okay, so if I want this God of peace." Like, I need to do something. What do I need to do? What would you say to that person? Yeah, I would go back to chapter one where he kind of sets everything up and he says, I pray this for you, that that your love will keep on growing in the knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Where Paul directs us is um, growing in a love of who Christ is and what he's done for us. So it's the first place he starts, and this is his prayer. But from that, he he seeks for us to be able to have discernment. In other, things, in other words, things flow out of that. He would push it a little bit further in chapter 2, verse 12, when he's talking about being a light in the world. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. And he says this, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Um, for it is God who is working in uh, in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. And then he goes on to another list. He says, do everything. So he goes, do again. 
So what we see that, that Paul does is he connects right belief to right activity, or the way we say it here a lot of times is right identity leads to right activity. And so he says, I want you to know who Christ is. I want you to grow in your love for Christ. And as a result of that, it should lead you to do these things. And as you do these things, you you get to experience God more in those specific areas. Yeah. And, and it makes sense, right? Because even in verse eight, like he doesn't tell them to do whatever is just, he says to dwell on them. That's right. Which has to do with what you're believing, what you're thinking about, what you're meditating on. Um, and then following that, he says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me, right? So there is that pattern even reflected in these two verses. That was kind of outside of the listener question, but I felt like that's an easy question that someone may come up to. We're approaching a topic that has to do with, you know, how we interpret these verses. Is there anything else you want to add on that? Yeah, I would say this too. A lot of times what we think, we read these verses like this and you brought up, you know, people think, well, I've, I've got to do these things. Well, where, where it comes into trouble is when we start saying we got to do these things in order to be saved right. or in order to X, Y, and Z. The, the beauty of the doing that he's pointing us to is actually orienting us around the things of Christ. So the only way you can actually dwell in these things or participate in these things is by understanding the person and work of Christ. When you understand the person and work of Christ and you do walk in these things, you actually experience Christ more in those moments. So this is not about doing for your salvation or you know doing so that you can receive a certain blessing, but there is an element of when you participate in these things, you do experience God more through the activity of these specific things. And I don't want to miss that because I think a lot of times people think, you know, Christianity is this like list of do's and don'ts and rules and you've got to do them. Everything that God calls us to do is actually a blessing for us. It's not just a demand from him. And I think that's really important to understand. Yeah. So even going back to the verses right before this verse, uh, Philippians four, verse six and seven, I'm just going to read those for context. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says, finally, and he goes into verse eight and nine in Philippians four. When it comes to those, how would you approach that? Because we see a link here, right? There's the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding in verse seven. And in verse nine, there's the, and the God of peace will be with you. What if someone's reading these verses and you hear that peace of God verse quoted a lot is going, I want the peace of God. What do I need to do? Practically though, what would your response to that be? Yeah, I think there's a tie between both of them that it's really cool the way that he does this. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Well, what is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? It is that a perfect and holy God would love sinful human beings. And the only way he can do that is through the blood of Jesus. And so he brings peace through Jesus. And so um, the the peace of God, it surpasses all understanding because it doesn't make any sense. This is where we get to the scandalous nature of the gospel. It, it really doesn't. I mean, human, human-wise, we're like, bro, we would never do that. We would never love like that. We would never give up our own child for, you know, somebody on death row or whatever the case may be. And yet that's exactly what God's done for us. So he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, like we don't have the ability to comprehend it, will guard your hearts and minds. And he says this, in Christ Jesus. So he circles back into the very thing that is the essence of peace, is the person of peace, the prince of peace, which is Jesus Christ. And so the beauty of this is, he says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which is like, man, we can't even fathom it. It'll guard your hearts, and the way that it guards your hearts is through Christ. And so, in other words, the gospel is the, the the garter of your heart. And so, as you meditate on who Christ is and what He's done for you, you do get to experience, man. I'm I'm at right standing before God. The the greatest.
greatest threat to us is not any circumstances, but it's our standing before God. And so if you can find yourself at a place where you are embracing what Christ has done for you, then you get to experience peace with God, which is the greatest sensation, which is the greatest uh, place that you could ever be in. And the way that you experience that is through Christ, and the way your heart's guarded is through the gospel. Yeah, so on a practical level, uh, when it comes to how we apply these this set of verses um, as the the listener was asking what you said something I think you alluded to like peace is not a feeling but it's a person um, what I'm thinking through is you even what you just said is that if we are believers if we look to the person peace is a byproduct of seeing the person and work of Jesus more in our life we will have more peace because of the context that the peace in the person and work of Jesus brings to us, right? But if we just go chasing the feeling, we might miss the person. And so when it comes to applying these verses in our life, what would you say if you have any suggestions or advice for how we go about applying this type of these specific verses in our lives? Yeah, what what Paul's after here is he's after the heart. Like what are our hearts meditating on? What are our minds saturated in? Um, and I think th- the beauty, to your point, is when we do see the peace that's been extended to us through Christ, and that we're we're guarded in that peace, we're held in that peace by Christ. So His saving work not only saves us into a relationship with God right now, but for all of eternity. So we're we're guarded not by even our ability to hold on, but by Christ's ability to hold on, which is perfect and and insurmountable as far as His strength. Um, it really does. It, when you hold that up against the things of the world, it pales in everything else pales in comparison. In other words, if we think that peace is a feeling and we're chasing it through different things like uh, finances or comfort or uh, conveniences of this life, we're never going to find what we ultimately need because, again, the greatest deficit that we face. Um, is not circumstances in this world, but our standing before God. And so the the more that we're secure in our standing before God and understanding who He is and what He's promised for us, and again, keep in mind, this we, we've got to understand the robust nature of peace. This is not just peace right now, but peace for all of eternity, meaning that one day Jesus will return and He will finish what He started, which means us with Him forever in a relationship with Him where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more hurt. There's this beautiful thing that awaits us. The peace of God guarantees us that. And so it means that we can endure in this life um, because we know what awaits us, and we know that we have peace with God, and that is ultimately the greatest thing that keeps us in the most stable place, that the world may be shaken on all fronts and everything may be going awry, but if we're confident in our standing before God, um, we can rest in that, and we can trust in that, and we can find stability in the midst of, of chaos. And so I think leading out of that, when, when you understand that, and he starts talking about finally, in addition to, he's like, hey, kind of the, the, the ending closing remarks where he's like, here's where you kind of need to set your mind on. He's saying, in light of who Christ is, in light of what he's done, I mean, be about these things, because these are the things that Christ was about for you, and so you respond by being about these things, and as you're about these things, it's going to keep you centered on him, and you're going to get to experience more of him in the midst of all of that. Yeah, that makes sense. What, what Any last pieces you would want to add before we close? I think that's that gives a pretty big, good picture of how to apply, how to interpret these verses, how to apply these verses and how we go about just interpreting some scriptures in general that may seem like they're telling us to do one thing, but in proper context are really just telling us to dwell on Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I think just taking this, uh, even the, the where the question started, verses 8 through uh, 9, when he talks about, um, you know, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, right. whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And then he says, do what you've learned and heard and received from me. 
um, and and the God of peace will be with you. Um, I think f- for me, as I read that, I walk away going, man, what is the main focus of my life right now? Um, is my mind aimed at trying to participate in these things based off of how Christ has fulfilled these things to me? In other words, is the gospel flowing through me? Am, am I? Where is my mind? Where is my heart? Is it on these things? Because I think so often our minds are not on what's honorable. It's not on what is just. It's not on what is pure or commendable or praiseworthy things. It's easy for us. We live in a culture of negativity and social media, and you know, I see the next best thing, and I'm, I'm jealous or envious, or I'm, I don't like where I'm at, or I'm frustrated with where I am in my job, and I, I didn't get the promotion. And we find ourselves in a place where we're actually not doing this. Why? Because we're banking on peace to be a feeling that we experience through our circumstances and not through the person of Christ. When Christ is your peace, the thing that um, has bridged the gap between you and God and the hostility that was there, um, then it resets your mind to go, man, I do want to dwell on these things because I understand those circumstances won't change anything for me emotionally. But these things that I participate in, I get a chance to experience more of God in the process. Yeah, that's really good. And that's a, a good spot to close. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. But hey, if you're listening and you have any questions, please feel free to email those to us at pastormike at imageatl.com. We just recently went bi-weekly, so we will be releasing this podcast every other week on Fridays. So please send us your questions. We love feedback. Share this with a friend. Give us a like, follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening to. And we look forward to talking to y'all in our next episode in a couple Fridays away.